Hello and welcome to The Veteran's Journey, the show that shines a light into the journey service men and women face when they transition from serving our country to civilian life. I'm Jamie O'Hare, and as always, I'm joined by Will Simmons and our guest, Canadian Armed Forces veteran, Chris Monroe. Chris, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm pretty good. Thanks very much for having me. Our pleasure, our pleasure. Listen, Chris, um, for our listeners, maybe what you can do is give a little bit of a background of uh, some of your, your service history when you when you joined the Canadian Armed Forces and, and a little bit of your, uh, your experiences, if you don't mind. Well, I uh, joined in 1982, long, long time ago. Um, and... Uh, Essentially, I, I was unlucky enough to be part of a, what's called a direct entry program where you don't go to a, a basic training and then a TQ3 training. We did the whole thing in Wainwright, five and a half months, and it was really brutal. We started with about 85 people and ended up with, uh, I think, 22 and uh, a lot of injuries. But boy, by the time we got to battalion, we were very, very well trained and uh, we were uh, set to handle anything that was thrown our way. And then uh, after a bit of leave, uh, we were deployed almost immediately to the Middle East, to Cyprus. And uh, this was during the uh, Lebanon war. So it was a fairly exciting time to be in the Middle East. (laughs) Uh, Served with one PPCLI in Calgary at the time and then moved to uh, the Canadian Airborne Regiment uh, with two commando, and then that finished my career up in Petawawa. Fantastic. Um, was, was being a soldier something you always wanted to do? Do you have a, do you have family history of uh, military service, Chris? No, uh, I don't have any family members in the forces in this country. Uh, but essentially, uh, I had... N- no idea that I would go to the military uh, because before that I, I was a street kid. I was homeless okay. as a youth. I left home at 14, uh, spent three years living in the streets of downtown Toronto. Um, and, you know, I had my little buddies. We got up to no good, uh, basically a life of crime, stealing cars, and breaking and entering. And uh, there were a lot of drugs and alcohol involved. And one by one, my friends started to disappear. Some died, some were you know, incarcerated, some ended up in CAS. Um, I myself got captured by CAS and taken to a place out uh, near Maine and Danforth here in Toronto. CAS is the Children's Aid Society. Um, but I got captured and put in this uh, sort of group house uh, for processing. And I actually went to go see a movie with Timothy Hutton and Tom Cruise called Taps about a military boys school. And I came home and I'd found this little 12 inch black and white Eaton's uh, TV. And that was my thing with a coat hanger in it. And uh, I was watching some TV when I got home and a Canadian Armed Forces uh, commercial came on. And you know, it's the, the motto was there's no life like it. Well, geez, those guys look healthy. They look, healthy. they got a roof over their head. Um, so I, I actually had to go home to get my, my parents to sign for me. And literally two weeks later, I was getting off the plane in Wainwright, Alberta, um, after the sort of the initial process uh, up at uh, the recruitment center. 
so there I was in Wainwright in January, which was just unbelievably cold. I, I, I wasn't ready for it. And that was my entrance into the Canadian Armed Forces. Um, and, you know, I was very thankful to be there. And so I really bought the conditioning. I really bought the package. Uh, I, I once, you know, you go in with, a, I guess, a civilian sense of self-esteem. And especially as a young person, that means very little self-esteem. By the time I finished basic training, you know, I, I was up straight. I felt good about myself. I was motivated. I didn't think about things that I had to do. I did them. And I became very goal-oriented. The military became my family. It sounds like they spend a lot of time building you up and, and a lot of effort to, to turn you into a good soldier, which is, in your words, a great thing. Yeah, and so and so, how does that set you up for the next phase of your life? Well, it 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 ultimately sets you up very well, but there's an entire process that you have to go through before you actually start the positive uh, change in your life, and you have to divest a lot of, of what you've got going on in as much as how you think, your perspectives. Um, why you are doing what you do, everything comes into question. The military does everything for you. If you have admin problems, they step in. If you don't pay your loans, they garnish your wages and, and square it off with the banks. I didn't know how to translate the things that I had learned in the military to, civilian, uh, to a civilian context. And that was very disheartening especially when you get to the commandos, you're the best of the best. Mm -hmm. You feel you're on top of the world. Right. Um, you jump out of planes, you repel out of helicopters, you do all of this stuff that is incredibly exciting. And there is nothing in City Street that compares to it, or, or so I thought. Uh, you know, again, it's, a, it's a, a matter of perspective. Yeah, Chris, uh, one of the reasons why I was personally very excited to have you on is uh, one of our first guests. Um, I know you and I had met separately through another initiative uh, dealing with the uh, Canadian Armed Forces transition. Um, but to me, your story was very striking because you came from a very difficult background. The military gave you a very strong sense of worth and purpose. Maybe you can just very quickly talk about going from where you didn't have that support to having all the support you need and the sense of uh, community and a sense of an idea of who you want to be and, and your purpose. Uh, before the military, I knew how to survive on the street. I knew how to lie. I knew how to steal. I knew how to do all the things I needed to do to survive. And so I was, I was fairly happy. I had no responsibility. Um, then you go into this heavily structured lifestyle. People tell you when to get up, when to, you know, go running you've got pt you've got this you've got that you and even when you have nothing to do it's time to play euchre in the platoon room you know you you are directed to do everything at any particular time um, but we did have a very keen sense of honor and pride i know in calgary if there was a little old lady at that corner you were walking her across the street that just was you know you didn't even think about it you helped people when they were in trouble um, you know, you became a, a societal caregiver, if you will, and that was your charge. Getting out of the 
military. Um, you go out there with that same attitude, but uh, it doesn't translate again. You're no longer a soldier. Or should I say, you're a soldier still in your mind, you're living in a civilian world. And the civilian world was so foreign to me. It left me quite isolated. You know, when you have friends, you know, here's a perfect example. When, when I have a buddy and we don't like each other, we're in the same section maybe, and we meet at the junior ranks club, everybody's meeting there. But the, these people had your back, no matter what. When you were deployed, when you were sort of out there, right or wrong, you had people who always had your back and you had their back. No matter how you felt about them personally, they were your brothers and sisters. When I got out of the military, I couldn't find that social connection at all. People were like I used to be, you know, before I joined the military. And so I was constantly searching. And I, you know, I, I would say that my self-esteem took a real hit because being a, an airborne soldier um, had no relevance. And, and back then, especially in the 90s, there was such an anti-military sentiment in, in the southern Ontario region in Toronto. So you just didn't tell anybody you were a veteran. Because if you did, the first question you're going to get is, wow, did you kill anybody? Or where did you go to war? Or, what did you do? And that's really unsettling because you discover very quickly that people uh, have no idea about what it is you do and where you've gone and what you've done. Uh, they can't imagine being on a rucksack march that is so long that your shirt starts to break apart. You know, that the injuries you took on that route march or you know, whatever it is you're doing. In the military, you push yourself beyond any of your own personal expectations. Civilian life is not like that. And the social world in civilian life is so completely different. I didn't know how to open myself up to the possibilities that civilian life would hold for me. Certainly one of the things we wanted to do with this podcast going forward is we want to change that narrative of the quote unquote broken veteran. That's really what we want to get at. And uh, whether it's success with, with you, with me, or through the CWEP program with EY, which we'll talk about later on this podcast, what we just want to do, whatever veterans do, we, we don't want this uh, association of, well, they went to the military, the military broke them, and now nothing can fix it. Uh, and that's uh, uh, directly why we wanted to have you on. You've had direct impact on helping all those other veterans um, through the uh, Span the Gaps program at Ryerson, the initiatives that you're doing at Ryerson University in Toronto, which uh, really speaks to just, just a little bit of direction or support from a former CAF member or somebody that understands CAF members goes a very, very long way in setting uh, former CAF members up for success post-service. Well, it's funny you say that because, you know, that's why I'm so excited about this program, the cybersecurity. Uh, you're taking individuals who have always had a purpose and a direction, and you're just retooling them and giving, a, giving them another service and direction uh, uh, and they're focused. So they feel good about what they're doing. They feel good about the fact that they're uh, moving forward with their life. In a, in a very loosely affiliated way with the military. It's about our country's security. And that appeals to uh, 
the veteran community. And the fact that you're going to train them. And I, I really liked when I looked at the brochure and it talked about uh, directing veterans to areas that they would excel in. So you do your psychometric testing and okay, this person would be good for that. You're setting them up for success. And for me, I, I mean, that is, is such an amazing thing to, to put forward. A lot of the initiatives I see out there don't subscribe to military ways of thinking and therefore they fail. Um, it, it's like when, when a veteran walks into uh, Veterans Affairs Canada and they say, how you doing? And you say, I'm fine. You don't say, my legs really hurt. Uh, I hate everybody around me. I'm angry all the time. You don't say these things. And so the, the poor back worker just says, well, that's great. You're doing well. Keep me posted. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. And that's the end of that. Military people are trained to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Uh, they're self-directed. They're task and, and goal-oriented. Uh, without having that, that task or that goal, that mission, uh, it's easy to get lost. And uh, uh, that's why initiatives like this are perfectly aligned with the transitional issues uh, because you're giving people back their self-esteem you're saying hey all that training that you had all those experiences that you had they matter and you, you know we we prize you and and the skills that you have and we're just going to retool a few things and off you go I, I think that's that's sort of a, a an innovative way of looking at the veteran community you're not trying to change them you're just refocusing them yeah before jamie you hop on for your question uh you reminded me of uh really good advice a mentor uh that i have gave me years ago and he said everybody in the world regardless of your background it's a human nature the two things that you need are a sense of purpose and a sense of belonging and those are two things that everybody needs regardless of where you come from to set yourself up for success and and it's just indicative of human nature the podcast is brought to you by With You With Me and Ernst & Young Canada. With You With Me and Ernst & Young Canada have an alliance partnership where we are the exclusive uh, cyber workforce enablement program provider to the government of Canada. Canadian Armed Forces veterans are able to join the With You With Me training platform free of charge, uh, at which points they are upskilled in cybersecurity and IT skills. Ernst & Young has the exclusive cyber workforce enablement program contract with the government of Canada to round off those that program and try to find work placement and careers in IT within the government of Canada. Um, again, just really working to help solve the under and unemployment within the IT careers for, for veterans. So, so thank you for, for bringing that up. If you're looking for more details on that, you can go to withyouwithme.com or ey.com slash CA slash CWEP. Question I had for you, Chris, is, is, and you mentioned this, that you felt very alone. Uh, Will, you just mentioned the, the need for belonging. Um, we talked a little bit earlier and you talked about the brotherhood and the sisterhood and the mantra of no one left behind. Tell me how the military, did you feel failed you? Do you feel that they didn't do enough, the Canadian Armed Forces? Because as you left the Canadian Armed Forces, did you feel that that brotherhood and sisterhood was still there, that you were left behind? Oh, no, no, that no. Little bit? no, the door closed, the door closed hard. Uh, back in the day, you know, in the, in the, we'll say all the way from the 60s to the 
90s, late 90s, or just pre-Afghanistan, uh, when you left the forces, and I, I still see shades of that today, uh, the door closes. You've got all of these really close friends and, and comrades in the, in the military, but as soon as you leave, that's it. it that breaks down because they're still on the job. They're still preparing. They're still covering each other. You're not. And so you have less and less in common with your, your, with your buddies, with your brothers and sisters. So you don't have that anymore. Um, and that connection, when it's severed, is devastating. Things like this program uh, are looking at remedial, issue, uh, remedial ways of dealing with the, uh, with the transition. You know, it is, uh, my master's thesis was called From Black and White to Gray. In the military, everything is black and white. You're either late or you're on time. There's no in-between. There's no excuse. It's this or it's that. Uh, civilian life is much more infused with, with a politic, with a social politic, with, uh, you know, uh, uh, a different type of responsibility. You know, your responsibility is to cover your ass. It's not to get the job done and to be on time, whatever it is. You know, as a parent, I brought my kids up and oh, they would drive me crazy because they would never show up when they were supposed to show up. <laughs> you know, if you were in my section, I'd charge you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, I felt guilty for leaving my buddies behind. Um, I felt like I had abandoned. Uh, my buds and they were just about to go back to the Middle East and they were all getting ready to go and literally the week they left was the week I left the military. If there was some form of program that could say, hey, we recognize what you've done uh, and we really want you, it would, have, it would have changed everything for me. You know, I would have walked into just a new mission. So that's part of the learning curve of becoming a civilian. Uh, showing yourself compassion, showing yourself empathy. And through that, you can then show compassion to others and not be so regimented in the thinking. What do you wish you knew then that you know now that if you had a, a platform that you could just sing from the mountaintops, what, what, what's the piece of advice you would give? Well, um, hmm. be prepared. As you're leaving the forces, start preparing. Uh, give yourself ample time because you know sometimes your release is going to take six months. If you're on, uh, if you're being medicaled out, it could take up to you know a year, two years. Um, start preparing, and by that, what I mean is, talk to your to your old friends, talk to your family, start those conversations recognize and forgive yourself because you're going to be different. You know, it's, it's one of those cases where the world's not wrong. You are. So you have to start considering that there is a different life out there. You're missing that whole civilian growth spurt throughout your early twenties and then later twenties. You've missed it. You've enjoyed that in the military. And it, so you've you've missed some fundamental learning opportunities. Um, it doesn't serve you in the military, of course, but those lessons that uh, the teenagers and young people learn throughout life 
their triumphs and their defeats. Uh, they, they, it builds their character. We don't have that. We have a character that's built very differently. And uh, so when you get out, you have to be prepared. You know, you have to learn how to speak. Military people are very direct and in many cases blunt. And I will say, and I'm speaking primarily about the NCM class, the, uh, the non-officer class. Uh, most NCMs do not have an education or at least a post-secondary education uh, or a, a you know, university. Um, and therefore they're, they're starting at a disadvantage. Uh, I had grade nine when uh, I left high school. And uh, when I left the military, I realized that I had absolutely uh, no prospects. I could do manual labor. And in fact, that's what I did. Um, I worked in a factory and then I worked shipping and receiving, um, which was great. I, you know, they'd point and say, unload that truck. And that's what I would do. I would go and unload that truck. And then I would come back and say, what's next? And they would just like, holy smokes, guys, slow down. So, no, no, what's next? I can't be slack and idle. And, uh, you know, that having a job lined up is also a, a wonderful uh, thing to have. So when you get out, you need to set yourself up in order to uh, move forward in life. And the best possible way is through education. You know, um, you, you are sitting with other people who have different perspectives, who have you know, different views on life, different politics, but you're galvanized by one particular sort of mission, if you will. This is a good point, I think, to really start talking about your own personal transition. I know you alluded to it a little bit yourself, uh, how you went just from the military to manual labor. Um, but what I'd really like to do, especially for our viewers, is to share all the successes that you've had since then. And I know it wasn't a straightforward trajectory from, um, from the military to the successful position you are now with Ryerson University and the great work that you're doing. I know it ebbed and flowed, but I think that's the important message we want to get out there, that things aren't always just going to be a seamless transition. There's going to be uh, progresses and setbacks throughout it. And um, there, there's many stories that exemplify that. And I think yours is one of them. So if you'd like to share what happened once uh, you figured out that you could uh, uh, unload trucks faster than everybody else, <laughs> what your next steps were <laughs> after that. So I literally went from loading and unloading trucks to a myriad of other jobs, uh, all manual labor, ended up in construction. Um, was the quiet guy that nobody messed with because whether you're bigger than him or not, he'll fight you. Um, and so I did well in the trades. I became a carpenter and, uh, you know, again, carpentry school was awesome learning, uh, with other people. And then the second biggest change came when I entered, when I went back to school and especially in the social work department, at Ryerson. In my last year of undergrad, uh, I was doing a placement at a shelter because that was my interest was homelessness because I had experienced it a couple of times. And I'm working at this shelter. It was a drop-in center, Haven, Toronto. A fantastic place. Uh, and the executive director and I were, were kidding around and he said, oh, well, this li library is called the Brigadier General such and such. And I said, oh, well, that's cool because I'm ex-military. 
And I thought to myself, wow, you know, there should be a program, and this is going back a number of years, but there should be a program that actually addresses this issue where people are getting out of the forces, give them something to do. If you're willing to sign the dotted line that says, hey, I don't have human rights anymore because I'm cannon fodder, I'm gonna go out there and fight for my country. Um, I think it would be in our best interest, both from a recruitment perspective uh, and, as, and a civil society perspective, to have a complete transitional program that employs and trains these troops. Because once you're trained, I mean, military people really excel in, in, in the workplace. Once they land on their feet, they're go-getters. They're mission-driven. Um, they work very well in, in groups. So, you know, for me, I, I, I now have, uh, you know, I, I, again, I was lucky enough to be working at doing this, this thing in Haven, Toronto, and uh, I was interviewed by uh, CBC's Metro Morning about it because I'd gone to the executive director and say, hey, do you mind if I just work with veterans? <laughs> and he said, okay. Uh, and then after the interview, I got a call from the uh, president of Ryerson University, Mohamed Leshani, and he said, you know, they said, hey, uh, the president would like to meet you. He, uh, he heard your article on CBC and I was thinking uh, he would like to do something like that here at Ryerson. So uh, I scrambled and uh, started putting together sort of the, the, the first cobblings of a program. And then I entered my master's and I thought, you know, this veteran thing, um, I've really come full circle. So I took what I learned from that uh, research and started employing it within the Veterans Transition to Education program. And they placed me in the Chang School of Continuing Education, the, the branch of Ryerson where a lot of mature students go. And uh, there the program started to grow. But I did really well in university because I was driven. I did the reads, I wrote the papers, I did what I was supposed to do, and I did well. Uh, and so I, I, I tell any military person, like I said, whether it's a trade union, a college, get some uh, sort of education because it will give you a directive, a, a direction, and it'll also put you in contact with cities. What are the skill sets? What are the potential? What are the traits of a veteran? Why should anybody give them a chance and hire them in a career? What is it? You know, we talked about the veterans, but now what can, what should civilian, private sector, public sector, whatever it happens to be, right? Why, why hire them? What, what skill sets do they have? Well, okay, you know, straight off, and, and the military is very big. You could be a doctor, a lawyer, a diver, a cook, uh, an, an infantier. There's so many different jobs out there. But what I will tell you is that the vast majority of soldiers are incredibly loyal, straightforward, and task-driven. They will work hard for you. But that loyalty and that willingness to learn, the willingness to get the job done, um, I think is an asset to any company. You're, you're going to hire somebody that has built-in motivation. You don't have to motivate them all the time they just need a task clear direction so i mean i would hire you know i'm working on an app right now uh, that'll have a call center and my first thought is well i want military people i want veterans because uh, they'll get the job done and with a bit of training 
they'll do a phenomenal job. And then I don't have to worry about it. I can just press go and it all runs like, sorry. So, so great answer. So would you suggest that then that gap between military service and a really great career employee, whatever it is, is that training piece? Is that whether it's upskilling, whether it's rounding off the skills or, or pointing in a direction, is that missing ingredient? Yeah, I'd say that is, you know, the most important ingredient in a successful transition is being retrained um, in, in, whatever, in whatever way that means, uh, because it will give that person, as I say, exposure, and then also gives them confidence to move forward in the working world. Right. Now, that makes a lot of sense, and, and I think that's what we found as well, is, is there's so many transferable skills in, in specifically in IT, you talk, you know, a little bit about cybersecurity, right? The, the, the typical uh, soldier uses intelligence to hunt people in land, air, and sea. If we change the terrain to cyber and just skill, provide that, that training within IT, then you can leverage a lot of the skills that you learned in the military, leverage a lot of the skills that you have inherently within you, right? You know, what you're saying is, is that that kind of connective tissue really leverage the life experiences that you have and, and your way of learning, your, your methodology of working uh, to, to drive a, a very successful career. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you've got to look at the fact that soldiers, for the most part, are constantly learning. They're constantly going on courses. So as, as an infanteer, I learned how to be a machine gunner, then 81 millimeter mortar. Oh, I got a tow course. I get recce course. You're always on a course, you're always learning, you're always sitting in a classroom or out in the field. So you're no stranger to the training process. And I think most soldiers actually welcome that. Most of us feel very comfortable. Uh, as soon as I got going and got a bit of confidence uh, when I went to Ryerson, I was unstoppable. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 this is, I know this, I can do this. Here I thought I wasn't gonna be prepared for school because I never did well in school. Well, the military actually prepared me for school. They prepared me to learn. And so I apply that same methodology to everything I do when I'm learning. I can, you know, I don't use, I don't have an ego about around things I don't know. And I ask, I'll ask questions. And, you know, so I always welcome somebody more knowledgeable than myself to be able to help me move forward with my education. Because education never stops. Right. It's always amazing to me, you know, whether it's through basic training, learning to drive a tank, whether it's, you know, a different battlefield, whether it's whatever the training may be, the intensified training that soldiers and military and Canadian through to learn something new that, so if you can be trained to do that, one would think that you could be trained to be do just about everything. Sure. And, you know, I excelled in the I did well. I got to go to the commandos. Um, and, and, you know, as you say, with that grade nine and a lack of experience, uh, I never thought I was bright. Um, and I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist. It's the drive. You know, my, my son is uh, doing a PhD right now in mathematics, pure math. And he said, you know, Dad, I'm not the smartest person there. But I guarantee you I work harder than most. And right. he has done extraordinarily well because of it. 
And uh, I apply that same sort of idea to myself. I work hard. If this is something that I've got to do, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to use whatever tools I can and, and you know, can amass to get that, to get that learning done so I can move on to the next chapter. Um, and that's why, you know, when, when individuals are getting out, okay, you have your little sort of party time. Woohoo, I'm free. I don't have to do up my pockets. I, I don't have to press my uniform. Uh, I can just wear my jeans and, and, a, and a Metallica t-shirt. You know, whatever it is you're into, you can do whatever you want. Um, that's a little disconcerting. You know, not having a structure when you're so used to having a structure and so used to having people tell you how to, how to dress, how to look, how to act, how to talk, how to walk. Um, and then it's gone and that structure is taken off. Well, education, any sort of training re-supplants re that within the individual. Oh, this is what I've got to do. I've got to get up every morning and go off to my cyber course on this, this, and this. And I'm having trouble, so I'm going to ask for some help on this. And, you know, just like in, in any other course in the military, uh, training is, you, you see the big picture. I need this training because I want to be able to do X. I, I mean, I've been very lucky at Ryerson because uh, it means the faculties um, have all been so accommodating for our veterans. Based on what you said about military members and their training and also their ability to train and develop skills very quickly um, in, in things they might not be as familiar with, how do you think military folks or former CAF members are excellent or better candidates for something like CWEP to, to, to scale, to upskill in a short amount of time? Uh, where do you think that uh, CAF members or former military uh, is best situated for, for that? Well, you've got to think that military people are trained to think on their feet because, you know, the landscape is changing constantly around and they have to adapt. Uh, they have a mission, but there's always things that, that you know, change. So what you've got is a, a group of people who are mission-driven, who will do everything to fulfill the obligations of, of that mission while changing, while working in a changing landscape. So you've got a very versatile group of individuals. So whether they're going into one branch of cyber, you know, maybe cybersecurity or whatever it is within that realm, um, you're going to see people who are adept, very adept at changing and taking on new tasks. And you'll see, for the most part, gladly. You know, it's something that they're used to. Um, you may be in the military, you may be moment in recce platoon and then you've been posted somewhere else and you're just section commander in a light platoon or you know whatever it is uh you're used to change the military sets you up for change so coming out and, and i will say that i wish this program was around when i got out because i'd love to have gone into this program <laughs> go ahead chris i was just going to say you're not the only one who's I think who said I think that we're saying the same thing yeah, not the old said that, Chris, and it's certainly not too late, right? I think, you know, um, uh, Tom Moore with you with me said something to me one time, which was, uh, 
Canadian Armed Forces members are just ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Well, you've got one of the best trained uh, uh, populations at your disposal. And I'll tell you that most soldiers will be very thankful, uh, you know, because they're being wed. They don't have to do all the, the admin. They don't have to do this, do that. When you get out, you have to get your health card. You have to reestablish your license. All these different things that you have to reestablish as you move from your base. Maybe you're moving to a different part of the country back home. Um, and you have to reestablish yourself. Having a program that, hey, we're over here, uh, for them to go to directly is, oh, it's phenomenal. I, I can't speak highly enough of that type of initiative. Thanks, just gonna jump in here quick. Um, before I ask a question, just for our listeners, we don't know the exact dates this is gonna be released yet, but uh, there's no doubt in my mind you can tell this was filmed during uh, COVID. So uh, please bear with us as we're trying to just go through some of our, uh, if there's any technical issues with sound or video, we'll do our best to try to edit it afterwards. But uh, uh, we're just hopeful that the content of this message is the most important thing that you leave here with. Um, I think that's one thing that's not appreciated with transitioning members is the willingness to want to work and want to contribute um, right away and to do it in the fastest way possible. And that's why the traditional notion of what we've seen through uh, vocational institutions, uh, some post-secondary institutions, PSIs, is while it's not that former CAF members aren't able or capable of completing a four-year degree, 